to another episode of Radio Armour. We're here with 15th MEU. I'm doing well, how are you doing? Yeah, fantastic. And Flash. Hey, everyone. Um, welcome to the show. Welcome, Penny. Uh, we're very happy to have you. Thanks, I'm glad to be here. Awesome, man. So, with your uh, the Milsom group, tell us a little bit about the 15th MEU. Yeah, we were founded back in 2007 from a couple guys who came over from Battlefield 2, uh, Project Reality, and ever since then have just kind of been trucking along. We've changed command a couple of times, but we've centered ourselves around a large-scale combined operations gameplay and just try to go out, have fun, and do things that people will enjoy. Okay, awesome. Um, so let's get into you just a little bit. Uh, who are you, and, and how did you get into armor? Uh, well, my name's Penny. Um... I am, you know, twenty eight year old guy from Midwest USA, like they all seem to be. <laughs> uh I got into Arma. I actually played Operation Flashpoint on Xbox. And wow. yeah, that's how far back. Uh we used to play that roadblock game type where somebody would just come down this hill and they'd stop at the roadblock and all this kind of stuff. So I was actually playing um, another game, which was called a Mud. I don't know if anybody knows that, but it's basically a text-based adventure. And somebody on there started telling me about Arma. I was like, okay, that's cool. It seems just like Operation Flashpoint. And I had already been in uh, Realism Units and Day of Defeat, so I got kind of interested and I, I bought the game and checked it out and haven't stopped playing since. Yeah, awesome. Uh Operation Flashpoint on the Xbox, just going back to that, is that, um, uh, that was the 360, Xbox 360? Uh, was that 360 or was that original no, Xbox? No, back, back in the days it was the original one. That's what I thought, because um, I had I'm to not... get that, that crazy setup where you plug mm -hmm. in one side of your Ethernet cable and send yeah, signal to it. the Xbox. Right, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. It's, 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 um... It's an, a difficult uh, stage of of, uh, of the Operation Flashpoint history for, for Bohemia. I'm not going to say much about it, but it was kind of um, a big flop for them. So. Oh, right. Yeah. No, that's cool. And I suppose there weren't any, uh, any mods for that. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, oh, that's cool. So uh, currently, what are your favorite mods um, over the time that you've played? Uh, you know, besides getting past the obvious ones like Ace, you know, I remember when Ace first came out when we were in Arma 1 and we spent, you know, almost a full week just breaking it down like, holy cow, how can a video game possibly do these things? You know, we would, um, we would gather up all our gear and we'd send guys running down the, the runway just to see how far you can get before it fell over and made, and made you pass out. <laughs> so, so when Ace first came out, like, that was... That was crazy. Like, oh, this, this is game-changing, you know? So yeah. that one has to be, to date, my favorite. Um, 
outside of that, you know, I, I'm a big history buff. Like, I feel like a lot of guys who are in Milsim are. So I do really enjoy Unsung. Um, Hell in the Pacific was a really good one. That, yeah, Hell in the Pacific. Um, Is that one of their updates? Uh, Say that again, I'm sorry. Is that one of Unsung's updates? No, Hell in the Pacific is uh, World War Two Pacific. Uh, different mod entirely. Yes, different. So Unsung, you know, is Vietnam, and then um, Hell in the Pacific will be World War Two Pacific's theater. Um, I also enjoy Halo because we, you know, we get a lot of fun out of that. Operation Trebuchet. Yeah, there we go. Operation Trebuchet. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I um, couple of these ones I haven't heard of. Yeah, I had uh, personally never heard of that uh, Pacific one. Yeah, either. unfortunately, I don't think it made it over to Arma Three. Oh, right. Okay, that's fine. Actually, let me make sure that's even the right name. Yeah, that's the right name. Okay, cool. And that was um, uh, based on those old school what, Mosins. <laughs> no, uh, so we would have been we would have been Marine Corps over in in uh, in the Pacific. So that you know would have had the M1 Garands, uh, Thompsons, Carbines. Would have had the 1903 Springfields, the bolt actions that the Marines had until like 1942. Right. Yep. And then it has the Japanese. So you fight the Japanese with their bolt actions and their uh, their machine guns and their little type two tanks or whatever they're called right cool and uh did they ever uh oh i have seen is it uh iron front who do the world war two beach yep, that's landing it. yep iron front does have a, a world war two mod of course and that's if you want to play world war two in armor three today you, you got to play iron front or there's another one that builds off of iron front i thought yeah, I don't remember the name, but yeah, yeah, you're you're right. Awesome. Okay, cool. And so your uh, Marine Corps will get um, pretty. Okay, cool. So your um, your group will get quite relevant to the times, or you'll go back into history and and play. How do you do it? Themed? Is it? Sometimes, you know, we we operate every first and third Sunday of the month barring holidays so okay. and we used to operate every week when we were a little bit bigger you know back in the day z boom um but now we're back down to first and third sundays and every second and fourth sundays it's just kind of there's nothing going on so we will also run unofficial operations or what we call them non-standard operations where we just kind of do any type of operation we want. You know, if we want to just operate as army for that weekend, well, then we'll do an operation where we operate as army. Uh, we've gone, we've done numerous Halo operations. We've done quite a few World War II operations. So if we were to do something like that, yeah, we would we would pick a theme, we'd pick what mission we want to do, and then we'd make everybody download that mod pack for the week and say, all right, we're going to be uh, World War II Marines and we're going to... Uh, Assault Tarawa this week or something like that. And th those operations aren't required. You know, people can just come if they want to show up. But a lot of people have fun with those. Okay, that's cool. And and you said download the mod pack. You've got several different mod packs that get updated, oh, or j just whatever theme we happen to be uh, doing that week. We make you know we have to make them download it because you know we don't normally operate as a Halo unit. So if we're doing Halo that <laughs> week, it's hey, 
guys, we're doing Halo on Sunday, so make sure you get this pack before you show up. Okay, right. cool. And and are you using Armor3 Sync or the workshop? What uh, we actually just, as of like two days ago, stopped using Armor3 Sync. We finally got the last of our mods off of Armor3 Sync, and we are now uh, a full Steam distribution. Right. Ooh, that's an improvement. It is. Um, there was there was a lot of pushback, um, even from me, who's sometimes gets stuck in my old ways. I didn't even see the need for the Armor 3 sync because I thought people should just learn how to figure out how to put the stuff in the folders. Because it's like, well, this is good for your computer literacy. Yeah. Uh, but I finally broke down on that, and now we've we've pushed forward on even more rapidly to just doing full Steam. Right, yeah. I mean, it, I, I get it. it. makes it very easy. I used to play a lot of uh, uh, online exile and stuff like that, so quite often servers have a random mix of mods, and uh, I did find it much easier if you just click on Steam, goes download these mods, you go, yep, download those, and you're in. That's It's quite easy. Whereas Armour 3Sync, once you set that up, that was cool, and then you are like... Get on to, what is it, armaholic.com. Let's do a shout out to them. They've been going for years now. Uh, download the mod, maybe unzip it, throw it directly into the folder. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, that's what, I mean, that's the way I used to do it. And we, we taught so many people how to do it. And it's, I always felt like if you knew how to put folders in your mods and set up your mod launcher correctly, then you would be pretty computer literate. So that would help you outside of Arma, you know? Yeah, but for sure. It's just that's just not the way it is anymore, and that's fine. You know, we just got to adapt and change that. So, okay, yeah, cool. I totally agree with the fact that if uh, from from the point that you know how mods work and how they uh, collaborate with the game, uh, then you're pretty up to doing anything in armor, basically, or I mean, with mods, anyways. Awesome. No, that's that's cool. Um, so we'll. We'll kind of get back into um, maybe a bit of your background. Are you uh, military by any means? No, I never did serve. Okay, cool. And are there people in your, your group that have? We have quite a few. Um, it, I don't even have exact numbers, to be honest. Um, we don't really ask. You know, if people want to talk about their time in the military or put forth their experience... We're always glad to listen, take advice, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but we don't keep track of who's been in the military. We don't verify any of that stuff. Now, if a guy does say that they're in the military and we find out that they actually weren't, that is grounds for dismissal from our unit. But outside of that, there's nothing extra that you get from our unit for being in the military other than, you know, we might come pick your brain a little bit every once in a while. Okay, that's cool. And it sounds like you've got a lot of uh, a lot of respect, of course, for these guys. Oh yes, absolutely. Awesome, man. And um, while we're on that, you've got quite a big group, right? It seems like you've downplayed that a little bit, but aren't there quite a few in your group? Um, last I counted, I want to say there was about 125 guys in active duty. Awesome. So you're you're having to hold the server open for a hundred people quite often. <laughs> well, um, yeah, just about there. You know, we used to be about 500 strong. By what I was saying back in the, the day Z boom days, 
you know, we, right. we would have, we had about 500 guys in active duty thereabouts. Okay. So we had, we had, um, seven task forces. So we would run three different servers every week. Um, now we're down to about 125 active duty. So now we're running two concurrent servers on first and third Sundays, uh, anywhere between 50 and 60 people just kind of depends on the week. You know, this last Sunday was Super Bowl Sunday, so that was a very light day. We knew it was going to be a light day. We told people, if you're going to a Super Bowl party, don't show up. You know, you don't even have to tell anybody. Just don't bother coming. Go have fun. So we had about 60 people show up that night. But the week before, you know, a normal week, we had each one of our servers had about 55 people. And that includes, you know, command, infantry, um, aviation elements, armored elements, uh, our Zeus controllers. And so that's uh, two servers? Two, two different servers, yes. Two servers, 55 strong, um, and you said Zeus. Um, I mean, maybe we jump into your operations a little bit. Do you... Uh, so so that's a, it's a normal week, 50 people in a server, and then Zeus controllers as well, so... Is it normally Zeus, or is it? It is normally Zeus. We have attempted to do, you know, some pre-spawned assets before. That always comes with its own challenges. Um, you know, whether it's an execution challenge or if it's a technical challenge, because it just it feels like every time Arma updates, we have to completely change everything we do. You know, three months ago, we were doing join in progress. We would launch the server. Zeus would get would start the server an hour before um, they would start setting up everything and then over the next hour and a half um, all of our guys would join the server they'd get their gear and they'd hang on until our official kickoff time which is you know 8:30 p.m. Eastern um, about three months ago that there was a big update and that completely changed um, I don't know what's what's happening we've been trying to figure out but we have decided that you can't join in progress anymore at all. Uh, we have to get everybody on the server and get them in a slot and then launch all at once, which is, oh, you know, what we used to do as well. That was a previous method. Um, but right now, if somebody joins in progress, the whole server will crash. So we've tried pre-spawned assets and, you know, there's, whether it's a training or a technical issue, we've always had some kind of problem with it. So 95% of our operations come from dynamically spawned Zeus assets. Okay, and, that's um, cool. Are, are any of your mission guys, I mean the guys that build the missions or, or you Zeus, is, uh, are any of their those guys on the official ARM3 Discord? Because I'm, I'm sure you guys could... Uh, find some support or uh, answers on that because there's a lot of very, uh, very compete. Uh, I mean, um, very uh, nice people ready to help and uh, that know the game off by heart. So I'm I'm sure you guys could have any, some answers over there. We we do have a couple guys who are on the Discord. I used to be on it as well. Um, we've got a couple guys who are constantly talking back and forth between different people on the Discord, different people in the community, different people in other units, just trying to get all sorts of different information from anything. Okay, so um, Penny, what do you do outside of managing a, a Milsim team? Any cool hobbies or uh, fun things that you uh, might want to uh, talk about? Nah, dude, I'm a super boring guy. 
<laughs> You're a Super Bowl guy. Is that super, what you super, said? Super boring guy. Oh, uh, super boring guy. Okay. Yeah. No, well, I'm you know, sure I, you're not. I did. Um, I used to be a general manager for a restaurant, and that, by being a part of this Arma group and and all of the technical knowledge that Arma forces you to make because of the way that Arma is, I was actually able to turn that into a career in IT. So I do work in IT support now. Um, I do a little bit of web development as a hobby, and then I just you know play other games. Game comes on, game comes for free on Steam. Download that bad boy, check it out for about an hour. That's I mean, going back to the fact that you transformed something that you got out from the game and put it into a um, into a I mean a a skill. That's pretty badass, man. Um, I know a lot of people that's did the same thing so everyone is kind of saying the same thing that if you really have one very big hobby or a connection with a game especially armor 3 or any armor whatever uh it often uh comes out in uh in a, a, a skill in real life That's yeah it does. absolutely and i've and i have kind of pounded that into into my command for a while now you know, people are always talking about, oh, what are we supposed to do in the game? We're supposed to make this hyper-realistic, and this is not what the Marine Corps would do, and, and stuff like that. I'm like, no, just listen to me for a second. We come here to have fun. We come here to show up on a Sunday and blow a bunch of stuff up as close to realistic as we can get while still having some fun. But then outside of that, what do we do? Are you guys standing around trying to get everybody to yell at you call you captain call me colonel you know officer on deck all that kind of stuff no don't care about that what i want these guys to learn is something that they can turn into their real life um everybody who walks through our door i want to spend some time here have some fun and turn around and be able to take something away from it and not everybody does and that's fine but a lot of people do take some sort of skill, whether it's a personal skill or a technical skill. Uh, we do have some guys who join up um, just to kind of get that taste of military life before they go. And I even tell them, this is not anything close to what you're about to experience. Um, but there are some military guys who have told them, this will get, this will, this is a nice prep. You know, this is a vacation. Um, so I, I try to, to infuse that in what we do that everything here can be translated outside of the game and uh learning how to have fun is already a very big step yeah exactly a lot of guys are focused on having that hyper realistic experience and not super concerned about what it's fun sometimes yeah they just they just want to be all right this is what the Marine Corps would do, oh, this is what uh, an MEU would do, uh, oh, we can't do that because they would never do that. Well, but I understand that, but sometimes it's just more fun to do it that way. So let's close our eyes for just a second and go blow some shit up and have fun. Sorry. I, yeah, no, that's, 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 that's all good. Cool. That's perfect. And so, um, I mean, you've got Ace, which tries to bring some realism into it. Uh, and what other other things as well have you got that uh, that do bring the realism? Because, I, mean, so, I mean, yeah, go for it. I was going to say, realism is, is super important to us. Obviously, we call ourselves a realism unit. We try to do things realistically. We try to operate realistically. And, you know, we try to, um, we try to 
have that realistic gear. So Ace is super important in that because of everything that they do from from their medical system, which makes it a little bit more in-depth than the, the vanilla Arma system. Um, we have RHS, which brings us our Marine Corps assets, and they look really good. You know, we used to have some others, and it got us into the Marine Corps uniforms, but they just didn't look that great. Now RHS finally added them a couple years ago, so we jumped into that, have our weapons in there. It's all super nice in one single pack. Uh, we also use Acre to get that realistic radio communication um, and just teach guys to think about how you have to communicate in a battle space setting instead of just having a one full team speak where everybody can hear everybody at one time it's you got to think about where everybody is and when they need to be and how to communicate effectively and succinctly uh do you think that um a military background is important for a milsim unit or is it just learn and and uh and have fun no, I, I do believe that a military background is important. Um, when we first started, our first XO, his name was Schultz, he was former Air Force. Um, and our SNCO, uh, Tiernan, he was former Marine Corps. So they gave us the basis of how things should operate in, in that realistic manner. I mean, yeah, sure. I can figure out a bunch of stuff. I'm a Google whiz. You know, that's how I, that's how I figure things out. But when I find something, that's not always exactly how it works in the real world. So we can find that information or we may not be able to find any information at all. And we turn to our, um, to the people within the unit who do have military experience and are willing to talk to us about it and willing to help us. And we consult with them like, how, how would this actually work? Um, and, and try to get as close as possible. And we do sacrifice some things for the armor aspect. We do sacrifice some things for the uh, realism unit aspect where we're trying to make this still a gaming group instead of you know a full-blown military type thing. But we, we try to get right in the middle. And it's very important to have people who are in the military or former military to be able to do that as well as having guys who were never there and who are just focused on being trigger pullers. Yep, no, that's cool. And you've also got um, everyone as well in the, in the hierarchy. How does your hierarchy work? Our, our hierarchy starts at me. Um, well, it's, it's kind of a little bit more complicated than that. Let me start over. We have kind of two different sets of the hierarchy. One, we have our command staff. The command staff is the one who creates all of what I call the legislature of the unit. All the administrative policies, the approvals for new, uh, new additions, new policies, changes to the unit, all that stuff has to go through command staff. And that command staff is made up of the senior most people of the unit. Um, they take care of the day-to-day -day administrative stuff. When we get into the operational side, it's a lot more traditional uh, military hierarchy where it starts with me and I have an executive officer and a sergeant major that I work with and 
the executive officer kind of handles every, all the officers and most of the day-to-day -day stuff. He's also a former pilot in our unit, so he mostly liaisons with our aviation element. Then we have our sergeant major who handles day-to-day -day activities of the enlisted guys, senior NCOs, and takes care of training those senior NCOs, make sure that they're up on everything. Uh, below us, we've got our two, well, our three different elements. We've got our aviation element, we've got our ground combat element, and we have our um, Marine Special Operations Team. That Marine Special Operations Team reports directly to me. Any time we need to give them a mission that suits their particular skill set, we give it straight to them, they go execute it, they come back and say, okay, what's next? Then we have our ground combat element, which is separated into two things. We have our infantry company, and we have a, a new thing that we're doing where we used to have two distinct armored assets. We used to have uh, AAVs, which are uh, amphibious personnel carriers, um, and we used to have the M1 Abrams tank, tank platoon. We're, we've changed that because of the way that our unit is changing a little bit and the way that you know, ARMA is evolving a little bit. We have changed that to be a, a, an armored composite platoon where instead of having the two distinct platoons, we have a single platoon that is trained to operate both of those weapons platforms. So that element will also report directly to me and the infantry company will report directly to me. Um, then, of course, in the company we have, right now we have two rifle platoons with their platoon commanders and platoon sergeants and their squad leaders, and they all handle the day-to-day -day operations. Uh, we also have a weapons section, which is now down to just the machine guns. Um, and then our aviation element is commanded by a group of guys, uh, commanding officer, executive officer, and an operations officer. And then they have four detachments. We have a, a Huey detachment, a Cobra detachment, a CH-53 detachment, and an F-35 detachment. Those four detachments report directly to the ace commander, and he works with me or my XO to, to work on the day-to-day -day operations. Now, when we get into game, when we go into an operation, most of the time, that company command will be in charge of whatever server they're on. Because most of the time, our infantry is going to be the main effort of whatever operation that we're doing. However, we are flexible enough to change that. If, say, our special operations team is the main effort, they will actually give command to the infantry company and how best to support their operation. But normally, whoever's the main effort of the operation, they have a designated task force commander, and that task force commander will give orders to the platoons and work with ACE to or work with the aviation to get them the support that they need and then work with the uh, special operations team to get uh, the support that they need as well. Okay, that's awesome. Wow, that's Maybe. a massive organization. It is. <laughs> I don't, I don't it, even know how you kind of, you know, keep that in mind. That's massive. Now, it, it's easier because we grew from... A single squad, you know, back when we when we opened in 2007, there was only a single squad's worth of guys, and then we kind of kept growing steadily, steadily growing, steadily growing. Uh, when I joined in 2007, I joined as an engineer. Which I'm gonna take you guys way back. If either of you played Arma One, yep. and you play, did you play the Evolution game type? 
Uh, nope. Oh, okay. So evolution was kind of like domination before domination was around. Um, you would go to a single specific town, and that town would spawn, and the objective was to knock out the radio tower so they couldn't call reinforcements and then clear out the town. Well, in that game type, engineers, they could build FARPs, which would rearm and repair vehicles and, and helicopters. So, originally, our operations were we would take that evolution game type and we would use that as an operation. So, my job as a combat engineer was to go put down a FARP and make sure it didn't get blown up. Uh, that lasted just a couple months, then I switched to infantry, then we opened up a mach uh, the machine gun element, I switched over there. Uh, then from there... The rifle platoons kept steadily, or the one rifle platoon kept steadily growing. That one became full. Our uh, weapons platoon kept growing. You know, we had machine guns, and then we added the small, which is a shoulder-fired weapon. Uh, then, as we continued to grow, then we needed a company command. We had a couple guys go through that company command, be that company first sergeant, and then I finally took that over. And then um, we lost our original command. Um, Tiernan left us and I took over the Sergeant Major billet and then the two original founders, Solch and Savage uh, had real life take over their obligations so they were no longer able to be with us so I took command of the unit with two other guys and from there it wasn't very long after that that we hit that daisy boom that everybody experienced and we blew up from we might have been two platoons at that time I think we were, we grew from two platoons very rapidly, we grew to seven platoons. With So that would have been 45 guys per platoon. So you can times out by seven. I'll let somebody out there do the math. 45 times seven. Then we had a full aviation element, which had almost 45, 50 guys. We had a full logistics element, which was an experiment that we were running at the time, which had another 40 or so guys. We had our force reconnaissance element, which was what we used to have as the uh, special operations team. That was another 15, 20 guys. So it was easier because we slowly grew to that, and the people that are controlling that um, have been around a long time. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm the longest person serving in the unit still. Um, but a lot of guys who were there pre-Daisy Boom are still there and understand what it's like to to grow up through all of that. And we and we force guys to go through that specific progression. You know, you can't just join in and become a platoon commander. So everybody understands how to operate at that smaller level and they slowly grow into that larger level and it makes it a lot easier for guys to understand how everything works. That's amazing. What's your your um play rank age at the moment? Do you have a, a most older or younger? I mean you're twenty six, I'd see you as about the average age? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm 28, but when I was 26, it was Sorry, the dude. average age. No, 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 you're fine. Uh, when I was 25, 26, we pretty much figured that that was about the average. If it wasn't that, you know, it was about 23. We've got a lot of guys who are, quote-unquote, 17, 18. Some of those people are not being so honest, you know, and that's just the truth of the matter because we have an age limit, so people are going to try and sneak around it. Um we get as low as 17. Uh, the oldest guy that I know of right now is 55, I think. Uh, we did have a guy join for like two weeks. He was 87. 
and I don't know what happened to that guy. Wow, amazing. Um, and he was super nice to work with because he didn't understand how computers really worked, but he was willing to learn. So uh, we also used to run a cadet corps. We just actually shut that down last week when we lowered our age limit to 16. We had a cadet corps that we would allow members who were aged between 14 and 17 who didn't meet our age limit to join that and kind of get into the unit but not interfere with the guys who really just wanted to play with that 17 plus. We've lowered that limit down to 17. But yeah, I would say that our average age limit is about 22, 23, and it's pretty much solidly stayed there. Yep, yeah, fair enough. And it resembles, you know, what I've seen in the, in the community. And uh, I mean, with that as well, does that play a factor in your success with the unit? Um, I, I would say that it does. You know, we've got a lot of good people in this unit. Um, some of them join when they're 17, right when they're allowed to. Uh, I've even had a couple people who said, I've been waiting two years to turn 17 just so that I could join this unit. Um, they get in, they stick around, they learn a lot of things, um, they stay dedicated, and some of them go off, they graduate college, they, they have real life hit them, and they're like, I can't go anymore, but we got four good years out of them, and they got four good years out of us. Um, other guys stick around. I've been around since I was 17. I joined at 17, been around, I'm 28 now, this will be my 11th year in the unit. Um, it, it's, we have a lot of good guys, and really, we talked about this uh, last week, it's not so much the age that really matters. You know, age, like they say, age is just a number. What matters is the maturity that people exhibit and what they're trying to get out of the experience. And we've been very fortunate to have a lot of guys who are dedicated to what we're doing here and are very mature and really just want not only themselves to succeed, but the unit as a whole to succeed. And we've been very blessed with that. That's awesome. And uh, have you got a direction for 2019? How's that coming along? We have a few different directions. We've just gone over some major overhauls because, as we were talking about, you know, we've gone over some technical overhauls with the way the arm has been changing. We've gone over some operational overhauls with the way that the Marine Corps in real life is changing. Um, the Marine Corps is in the process of switching from the M4 to the M27. We have the, uh, the fortunate ability to not have to roll that out. We can just say... All right, everybody has the M27 now. So we just recently gave everybody brand new weapons. Marine Corps is also switching their um, operational uh, makeup. So used to be squads of 13 guys. They're now moving to, to 12 guys. And instead of just a squad leader and three fire teams of four, it's a squad leader, an assistant squad leader, a squad systems operator, and three fire teams of three, all armed with the M27. So we're having to understand how to make that new dynamic work and make these new weapons work. Um, so that's our biggest goal for this year is to, to figure that out. Um, you know, we've got technical goals that we're working on, trying to make this, the process more, more smooth, um, less buggy, not have our servers crash quite so much as they have in the past. 
Um, just really worried about giving the guys a fluid and smooth experience. And then operationally, we're also changing the way we've kind of done stuff in the past. Previously, we've worried about, you know, what does an MEU really do? How will this mission work in a realistic stance? And, and does this storyline make sense and all that kind of stuff? Uh, last year, I made them cut all that out. We, we completely redid everything from the, from the top down. And we said, I want you to pick a mission that's going to be fun. And then we'll figure out the story behind it. So that's the way we're going with now. So we, we have a lot of directions that we're going that will converge at the end of the year. And we'll look at it again and say, all right, 2020, what's, what worked? What didn't? What do we need to change? What do we need to uh, make stronger? That's awesome. And do you see yourselves moving with the changes of armor? How do you see armor evolving currently? You mean in, in regards to how we operate and things like that? Yeah. Does that, does that co-align with how um, armor's been pushing their updates out? And, and is it in sync or it doesn't matter? It, it really doesn't matter that much for us. Um, I don't keep track of the ARMA updates as much as I used to now that everything's a bit more stabilized. The only thing that really impacts the way we do things is when they make updates to the netcode and updates to the um, the uh, opt optimizations that they make. That will affect us, but that only affects us insofar as trying to figure out, okay, what did they do? What changed? Because, like I said, we used to do join in progress. Now we don't. And that seemed to be a thing for a long time in Armor 3 where every six months they would release some kind of update where join in progress was more healthy for the server. Now it's everybody join all at once is more healthy for the server. And it would just kind of switch back and forth. So that's really the only way that Arma updates will affect us. Unless they do something massively game-changing just completely redoes the way armor works we really haven't changed the way that we do things since armor one good okay. thing then that there's not going to be any uh, net code update or performance update uh coming uh coming in in the future for armor three anyways yeah the, the next biggest update that's going to affect us is going to be armor four so four years from now Cool. And what do you hope to see four years from now? <laughs> I hope to see, you know, I, I watched some gameplay of, of DayZ the other day and I was I was a little impressed and I was a little uh, taken aback by how impressed I was because, you know, you hear DayZ and you hear a lot of bad things about it these days. But the way that that engine looks is just so nice. And what I'm really hoping for is a modern engine that will allow us armor 3 can be clunky sometimes as we've all seen um it looks a little futuristic that that's probably the number one complaint i get about when people look back at armor 2 and they look back at armor 3 when they don't remember that the graphics have updated a lot they they look at it and they think armor 3 just kind of feels sci-fi a little bit so i'm hoping with armor 4 they'll pull that back down a little bit to a more uh grounded look and i don't know really how to describe that it's just there's something about it that just feels futuristically uh, so we're hoping that that will get a, a bit more grounded um 
I'd like to be able to do a lot more with my character. You know, we see some games where you can run up to cover and you can put your back up to it and you can lean around the corner and you can shoot. You can take cover behind uh, different different types of walls and, and broken down barriers and all sorts of things. So I'm, I'm personally, my biggest thing I'm looking forward to in, in any future update for Arma is that dynamic cover type of deal. That's that's my number one desire for any game that, that comes out in the future. I know a lot of guys are also hoping to see better destructive models, um, better better optimizations. So we used to run servers that were 70, 80 people. We don't do that now because not only of our size, but also it's just not, you can't do it anymore. So we're hoping to see that that could be something where... Sorry, dogs. That's cool, dude. We're hoping to see that the there will be more improvements made to the gameplay engine that we can get more of those massive servers where we could, maybe we could put both of our platoons and run servers of over 100 people with mods fighting against AI with no issues. That's the kind of stuff we really hope for. Um, but, you know, we're not super picky. I mean, it, it would change armor quite a lot if you could throw your shoulder up against a barrel um, just based on the current where it's at. Um, it could be quite a, a quite a big debate amongst the community, I suppose. Yeah, and, you know, that combined with destructive environments, one of the things I've taught guys to do in armor is... Um, you know, we have access to shoulder-fired weapons, right? We have those AT4s. We have those laws. And sometimes guys get so zoned in to what's on the map that they, for, they sometimes forget the dynamic uh, environment that they're operating in. So I, I very recently got them back into this habit of there's not an opening there. Let's make an opening. So we'll blow a wall down. So... Unfortunately, with armor, when you do that, you take a whole section of wall down when you do it, which is fine. You know, we, we deal with that. But it would be very cool for instead of seeing a whole 10-foot section of wall down, couldn't we literally punch a hole inside of that wall and then stack up on the outside of that hole and then move in? Seeing the rebar come through the concrete, um, the bricks scattered all over the place, that would be great. I don't know that that's particularly feasible right now. But that would, that would be a dream. Well, that that could be something for Armor Four, uh, for sure. Well, and yes. you know, I, I know as well with with buildings. Buildings are their their own thing, and they've got several levels of of destruction. So I talked about that on the last podcast. Is uh, with the life server um, when they go and place a house, that building is only one. Is it unit? How do you describe that? It's it's one object. Uh, one object. Yeah, so that's one object. So that one object will be a ruin of a house, and as you continue to bring more materials and build it up, um, it goes through the stages of ruin um, to where it's just got bullet holes or something in it and broken glass, and then all the glass is fixed. And, um, and then it's a, you know, so there's several different stages of a broken building. Now, to have that one building look tidy but you blow the side of the wall off and you could drive a tank inside of it or, or something like that that would be pretty cool yeah 
Yeah, so whether that's feasible, probably not. I mean, maybe that house then becomes 20 different objects or something, which puts a lot more strain on the server, but maybe it's more manageable in Armour 4. Could be. We, we, we don't know much about that engine. You know, and we might sacrifice some player count for that. Cool, but for realism, that would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, anything else you want to see in Armour 4? You've, you've got a, a pretty good list. No, not, I mean, that's, that's my list. Um, I, there are some guys who want to see a whole lot more stuff, but I just want my realistic, my real-world weapons in there, not the futuristic weapons, and, you know, better optimizations to the netcode and multiplayer. But not that it's all awful now. Of course, this game is great. We, we, I've been playing this game for, not this game, I've been playing Armour for 10 years. I don't feel like I'm going anywhere soon. Just, we got that wish list in the back of our mind going, oh, this would be so amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, for me, um, I mean, I've, I've played other games like Spin Tires and GTA Five, and I, I love the off-roading aspect where you can just bounce off into the middle of nowhere. The Spin Tires has uh, mud that, that deforms under the wheel, yet GTA Five has a map that's, um, that's so big you can, you can literally go and explore um that map for and you know it'll take you quite a while if you just take one of their off-roading vehicles and and bug out and i i used to we used to do realistic off-roading in gda 5 as realistic as you could where um you know you didn't just go and do jumps but um you would try and crawl the the particular vehicles over rocks and you know if the vehicle slipped and slid down the hill then you know, <laughs> I mean, it, it was it was a big deal versus um, just respawning and, and going again. So um, the the realistic aspect of four wheel driving, I'd love to see it where um, the physics were at a point where um, it felt a lot more like spin tires or something like that, and and uh, you could crawl around on different things and the river crossings and. Um, but whether that's available in uh, in the new engine, uh, I don't know. I have no idea. But yeah, that that would kind of be one of my things. Um, okay, cool. Well, uh, let's shuffle on a bit. Um, do you guys have much drum-related stuff in your in your group? Oh, you know what they say when you get more than three people in a room? It's going to be drama. <laughs> okay. You know, cool. we, we have our own share. You know, we, yep. We've got troublemakers, toxic personalities, things like that. You know, we've gone through numerous uh, different schisms. You know, where people will break off and make a, a different unit. So there's tons of units out there that can actually draw their lineage back to us, including us. You know, we could draw our lineage back to the 22nd MEU of Project Reality in, in Battlefield 2. So those things are there. Um, we don't allow them to bubble up to the surface. When we when we see a situation going on, we try to train people for those situations. You know, we do have a, you know an officer program. We do have a senior NCO program. So we try to teach people how to manage those situations. If you don't already have that natural skill, um, but yeah, of course, of course, we've got drama and stuff that happens, and we've got to handle it. But 
we we don't let it get out of hand. Okay, that's cool. Um, is there anything that that you do do or that you'd recommend uh, other groups that may not be so big or um, able to deal with drama? Like, uh, are there some steps that you guys do, or is it just all fluid, pretty much? Um, I don't know that there's anything particularly unique of what we do. Um, and whether that's because people have already kind of adopted things that we do, um, or they already do it just because it's the most natural way to do it. Uh, we, we do have a review process, or we have a disciplinary process where if it's a minor thing, you know, a guy does a negligent discharge in the middle of an operation. Okay, well, his SNCO, his platoon sergeant or his squad leader is going to come down to him and be like, what are you doing? Why? You need to pay attention. And so he'll put him down for a counseling for the first time. You know, he does it another time. Well, then that becomes what we call a non-judicial punishment where he actually has the power to remove uh, promotion points from a guy. Like, look, you obviously didn't get the message the first time, so I'm going to take some points from you that'll delay your promotion a little bit. I need you to pay attention. We, we try to make sure that people aren't screaming at people. We're really talking down to them because everybody's here. It's the internet. We're here to have fun. Um, we're not here to lambast people and, and scream at them. Uh, then we have, we do have one more elevated section, which we call office hours or formal disciplinary action, which is when our command staff gets involved. And that's when we actually have a sit down with uh, whoever it involves. You know, if it's one guy saying something against another person, we'll sit down, we'll interview the two of them, try and figure out exactly what happened. Our command staff will get together, we'll talk about it, we'll listen to the interviews, and we'll make a decision from there. But our biggest thing that we do is there has to be a precedent for everything. And if there isn't a precedent, then... We have to be very careful in the decision that we make because every future decision is going to be based off that one. Right. So we won't go one week, a guy will do a negligent discharge. Oh, yeah, don't worry about that. You know, just don't do it again. And then the next week, hit a guy for 10 points because he, his cat hit the mouse button or something. You know, We've got to be consistent with that stuff. Uh, I've made a lot of mistakes personally with that. You know. I learned that lesson, I wanted to say early, but I really didn't learn that lesson early. I learned that lesson probably about halfway through my career, that there are just some things you can't do because people don't like it. You've got to do things the right way. You've got to keep the people who are in the situation involved in the situation. And you can't just say, well, this is what I think, so... This is what we're going to do, and you're going to deal with it. You've got to give everybody their chance to defend themselves. Awesome. Wise words, dude. Oh, uh, do you guys have any secondary games for the unit? We don't yet. It's something that we've talked about for years, You know, whether or not we would want to do another game or would we want to do another um, modification you know could we open up a, a subunit of the 15th that is just focused on world war ii or halo or something like that would people be interested in that uh we've also looked at other games you know planet side 2 is another one that really fits in with what we do with that combined arms large scale uh currently the big ticket item for everybody because it just came out is uh, war of rights that game has its own problems right now with its toxicity and and 
people who are just in that game while it's first open. So I'm hoping that that one turns around because that one could be very interesting for our unit to get involved in with with uh, how it has to be a very structured environment. You have to do what is required of you in order for you to succeed. So a lot of us do play a lot of other games, but for our unit officially, we don't have any secondary games or modifications. Awesome. Well, so any other uh, uh, funny armor moments you can think of? Um, I mean, having played for 10 years, you must have been armored at some point or have an armagasm that we'd love for, <laughs> for you to share with us. Uh, I don't have near as many as some of my guys do. You know, a lot of guys have the worst luck. I've been very... I guess fortunate, but I don't have any sort of crazy thing except for the, the craziest thing I can think of is we had one operation. I really don't know how this happened because we weren't even using Zeus or MCC at this point when this, when this situation happened. Um, but we were doing an operation and we were moving along this uh, ridge line and I don't, don't ask me the map because I don't remember what map it was. Uh, but we, we moved along the ridge line. We were assaulting this town or village or something like that and we got down the ridge line and there was this house in the middle of nowhere and it was just a house and the whole ridge line like circled it and we had our whole platoon down there and we were getting ready to do something and all of a sudden somebody starts screaming tank 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 and we look and there's this t-72 just rolling straight towards us and so the entire platoon 30 or 40 guys just runs to the other side of the house and this tank, he doesn't shoot, he doesn't stop, he doesn't do anything. He continues to follow us around the house. And it was like Tom and Jerry, the tank is chasing us around, and you see just 30 guys running in circles around while this tank chases them around the house. <laughs> and I have no idea how that happened, because like I said, we weren't using Zeus or MCC at the time. It just, it just decided to follow us. It didn't shoot us, it just followed do you yeah. have any videos of that? No, I don't. I wish I did. The only video exists in my head, and it plays back on me sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Torture. Absolute torture. <laughs> that's cool, dude. <laughs> but, no, that's, that's the only thing i got. We've got other guys who are... They'll be walking along a hill, and all of a sudden they'll hit some slope that Armour doesn't recognize, and you'll just see him slide down the mountain saying no help me and he's just <laughs> fading away slowly to the bottom of the mountain where he hits and he crashes and he dies yep yeah true yeah no there's there's um there's plenty of, of things and and when we interviewed um uh some other guys they they showed us videos of um you know, a tank flying off into nowhere and... Oh, yeah, uh, we've got those. I remember back in Armor 1, we would cross this bridge over into Samato, maybe. And there, we knew where it was every time. We knew there was a physics object or physics problem with the bridge. If you run over it at this certain angle, you will get launched 10 feet in the air. And the first time we ever found it, we were actually in a convoy. We had about five or six Humvees and then in the middle of the convoy was a, an M1 Abrams and he hit that bump and he launched 20 feet up in the air and I think I was on the gun and I just looked I was like oh shit he's gonna land on us isn't he 
And? <laughs> I don't remember. I think I blacked out at that point. All right. <laughs> I've got, you know, we've got, we've got all sorts of things. We've got this joke, the AAV space program, because the AAVs were notorious for always hitting those bumps because they still exist even now. They'll hit that bump and they'll launch straight up into the air. We've got jokes where uh, guys will try to take down helicopters with the completely wrong weapon. You know, somebody will do a uh, Tom Hanks Saving Private Ryan thing. They'll try and shoot a helicopter with a pistol. I've had one. I actually shot down a hind with a, a, with a small on our public server one day. And I was like, I got that. Yes, he's gone. He won't hurt us anymore. And he crashed directly into my face. <laughs> that that kind of situation when you you wish that you had a a steam um, steam success for what you just did. Yeah, you know. Oh, and there was this one. Oh, I felt so bad about this. I didn't actually admit to this for like two years. They kept complaining about it. We were on our public server one time, and this was not long after the MV22 was added to the game, and this was either Armor Two or Armor Three, and I I really can't remember. And the guy was flying it on the public server. <laughs> and he said he flew over where we were, and all of a sudden his plane just blew up. He said the Osprey just blew up. I don't know what happened. And it was me. I was right below him, and I was messing with a mortar. And it was an <laughs> Op 4 mortar. And I had shot it right as he flew over. I didn't know he was coming. I shot it, and it flew straight into his belly, just so happened as he flew over me. And for like two years, I didn't say anything. I was like, nope, I don't, that's weird, man. <laughs> you know that, that kind of thing that where you want to say okay and that that moment jackson knew he fucked up <laughs> uh that's that's crazy the the fact that because I, I didn't know whether mortars were uh tracked or not you know what i mean because they they take so many seconds in the year but right. armor must account for them being what, 10, how, how hard do they go? Because they take uh, 30, Oh, well, 40, this 50, guy wasn't very far. He was only a couple hundred meters off the deck. Uh, for sure, but but how far does the mortar have to go into the uh, air? 5,000 feet? It does go pretty pretty high because there's a lot of... Um, you, you've got a lot of uh, scripts and videos on the internet um, uh, tracking the, the mortar... Um, thing oh, yeah, and the, the you can see you can see how high it goes that's a, a cool thing to do on on if you got nothing to do on sundays and and you've got time to waste in the editor that's pretty cool yeah okay <laughs> and straight into his belly straight in boom whole thing crashed i just i put it down and i walked away like that was weird <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't me <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome uh cool man all right well look let's uh let's jump into any social media uh or websites etc that you'd you'd like to plug and uh just noting as well that the current 15th meu twitter belongs to the original 15th or the the yeah if you go to twitter you go to instagram you try to find us right now you won't find us you will find the real 15th meu don't get us confused. We have flown under that radar for 10 years. Um, you know, it's funny. We actually used to be on their website, a list to our website that said, this is not the real 15th MU, so don't go there. Uh, we are working on a Twitter. Matter of fact, uh, that's going to be a lot of uh, surprise to a lot of guys from my unit who are going to listen to that. Yep, we're working on a Twitter. Uh, right now, if you want to find any more information about us, you can go to 15thmu.net, and we've got a lot of good information on that website. You can register, you can hop on our TeamSpeak, uh, 
think there's a link to our Discord where you can just hop in, ask some questions of people, get some more information. You can also find us on YouTube, uh, watch our videos. Videos go all the way back to Arma 1. You can see everything that we, almost everything that we've done. You just kind of get a good feel and see if this is the type of place for you. That's awesome. And uh, I suppose there's no open days, but um, uh, what's the process in, in joining? So if you do want to join, you know, there's obviously a few requirements that you have to meet. You've got to be at least 16 now. As of Sunday, you have to be at least 16. Uh, that's going to be a change to some people who may have checked us out before. Our age limit used to be 17. It is now 16. Uh, then you just got to register on our forums, fill out the application. The application will ask you all the different requirements. Um, you know, Do you own Armor 3 Apex? Because we do use a lot of maps that use Apex objects. Do you have Armor 3? Yeah, we've had people join without Armor 3. Um, then just can you commit to our unit and our unit operates every first and third Sunday of every month barring holidays and we do go based off American holidays so the 4th of July is one of our holidays but sorry Canada Day is not and I all of our Canadian guys understand that um, so as long as you can can you if you can at least meet those days you're welcome in the unit, even as a reservist. Our different sections have other requirements. You know, we've got weekly training for every section, but really, we only require you to show up twice a week and then just hang out and be a good guy. Awesome. Sorry, twice a week. Yeah, twice a week. You know, you got to show up um, on the first and third Sundays for the operations, and then you got to show up to if you're in active duty. You got to show up to your training. You know, at least once a week. Obviously, we make exceptions for people. Not every, No one makes it to 100% of training and events and everything, and that's totally fun. Just do the best you can, show up, have fun, and and uh, be a part of the community. And the days are flexible based on different platoons? or Yes, different... every, every platoon, every squad, every team, every detachment, they all have different times. So if you get assigned to something that doesn't really meet your time, you can look out there and you can request a transfer to one of those teams that do meet your times. Awesome. That's, that's pretty cool. Oh, well, look, hey, thanks a lot for coming on the show. We really appreciate the... Hey, the, yeah, I appreciate you guys asking me to come. Yeah, yeah it was man. awesome, man. Um, and we'd love to have you on in the future when we do talk about combined operations, the difficulties that it does come up with, and, uh, um, you know, other things with with you know maybe how servers work etc etc absolutely i'd be thrilled cool all right man look thanks a lot hey i appreciate it guys see you uh on friday for the next episode of um of uh, fight news uh, see you next week for the next episode of uh, the normal interviews big interviews and i uh, hope to see you uh, in game very soon see you um penny and uh hope you have a, a good weekend thanks you too beautifully wrapped up thanks flesh <laughs>